0: Okay, welcome one and all. It's supposed to be raining here today, but it hasn't started yet at the synagogue. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's coming our way. So um, I'm glad you're here. I'm grateful to be able to study Torah with you. Let's say a a blessing for um, studying Torah together, and uh, then we'll begin asher Blessed are you, source of life, our God, who makes us holy with your mitzvot and has given us the mitzvah of engaging in words of Torah. So we are in the middle of Leviticus right now. And this week is a double portion called Tazria Metzora, and Tazria Metzora are—it's um, a double portion this week. Uh, two of the most, and they are thematically connected, and they are two of the most obscure portions in the Torah. Every year when we get to Tazria Mitsora, it's like. Um, it feels like an anthropological chasm uh, of of uh, conceptual universes that we feel that I that it feels like we have to somehow bridge in order to um, kind of um, um, gather the mind of our ancestors, hopefully, and try to try to figure out what they were what they were doing in 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 this part of the Torah. And I'm going to track with you today, both the most traditional in terms of Jewish rabbinic interpretation of this, of what they're doing, along with the more contemporary sort of anthropological lens that we can put on things. Um, And uh, I find it to be very compelling, a very compelling take on these portions. So here's what's going on. there is a skin, a skin affliction described called Saraat. The person who has the skin affliction is called mitzora. That's where the portion gets its name. When this was originally translated into English, it was translated in the King James Version as leprosy. Um, and that's how the translations have taken it ever since. And if you understood the, uh, the Mitzorah, the person with this affliction as a leper, well, the priest who is essentially the ancient medicine man, the would diagnose the skin affliction. And if indeed it was Tzara'at, that person would be sent from the camp <clears throat> and put in some kind of quarantine. Um, And after seven days, the priest would re-examine. And if the affliction had gone away, the person could be reintegrated into the community. And so it's thought of traditionally, not traditionally but because of the English translation that it acquired, which you can think of, think of uh, the 17th century or the 16th century. And that would be a logical kind of understanding of, well, what is this? Why do they have to leave the camp? Um, and uh, the, the problem is, is that whatever Tzarat is, has nothing to do with what we know to be leprosy. It has nothing to do with it. There's no, um, it's not considered to be contagious, as it were, infectious in the Torah. And interestingly enough, this skin miscoloration, which is carefully described in chapter 13, also applies, and this is where is it related to the word suris? Um, no, uh, but maybe because he it's not related to the word suris in in any straightforward way, but because so many Hebrew roots. Share um, uh, letters that then grow out into different words. The word "sar" means both n- constricted. It means trouble. It means an enemy. Uh, so, and "sarat" maybe comes from that root. But no, I've never made that connection before. So, thanks for mentioning it, Joe. Um, so why we know it's not an infectious disease in the way we understand infectious diseases is because after it's described at length how it can uh, how it can affect a person's skin, it then describes the same word can affect a fabric. A fabric can become miscolored in this way, and need to be. Um, uh, repair. And then it can also happen to the wall of a house. A wall of a house can get this affliction, this tzara'at. And that house has to be also treated, all of them, by the way, by the priest. So the priest is not a medical doctor, right? Nor is Sara'at Uh, a medical condition per se, if you follow what I mean, because it's something that causes a miscoloration of the skin or of the clothing or of the house. So what are you hearing there? What am I hearing is that yes, Susan, maybe it's like mold, but That's not the point as far as I can tell because uh, uh, the skin is what garbs our being, the clothes are what garb the skin, the house is what essentially garbs the person or the family. So we're dealing with the uh, container becoming, um, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Forgive me, the container's losing its integrity. Um, And the point is, as Lloyd, not soiled, because I don't want you to get the word dirty in your mind here. There's something else going on, Um, and Lloyd, puts his finger on it. It sounds more metaphorical than actual tarnished. Tarnished, good, good. Um, the Hebrew word is tamay. And tamay, as I know we were discussing on your Torah uh, on Monday, tamay usually gets translated as defiled. But there's something about tam. But defiled also carries a connotation in our minds of dirty and somehow uh um uh morally corrupt that's the word i was looking for the surface has become corrupted right what was a uh, what was a um, uh, a container that had integrity the the miscoloration is a form of corruption now paul bloom says external embodies what had been kept secret inside so keep we are going to enter the land of no longer complete right the word integrity uh, comes from it means it comes from the latin word for whole w-h-o-l-e and so integrity means wholeness or completeness the same is true in hebrew the hebrew word for completeness or wholeness is shlemut which you can hear the word shalom in there. Shalom, wholeness, completeness, integrity. And the other Hebrew word that's important to explore here is the word kadosh, holy, which comes from the root for whole, w-h-o-l-e. In fact, in Hebrew, we have these opposites. There's uh, 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 holy, which means kadosh, the opposite is called halal, which means to desecrate. But as far as I can tell, literally in Hebrew, halal is from, and I've taught this before, so forgive me if you've heard this many times. Um, the word khalil um, is a uh, recorder in Hebrew, a flute. That's because it has halalim in it. It has holes in it. And the word, um, um, uh, 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 so, so halal, when we say it's a chilul Hashem, it's a, um, a desecration of God. It's almost as if you've punctured holes and corrupted the integrity of because when you say Kiddush Hashem, it means you're sanctifying God. And somehow that means you're keeping a, a sense of um, um, uh, 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 sacred container. So Leviticus for me, after much study is best read from understanding an ancient worldview that sees everything as analogies that the goal of the torah our purpose as a people is to become a holy community a goi kadosh in which the presence of god can be manifest if we desecrate that community oh i was thinking of the prayer in shachri. our body is made up of chalulim, chalulim, nikavim nikavim of holes and arteries of uh, so halal is it means that you um, even outer space in ancient Hebrew is called halal space but that may be because of the ancient idea that the heavenly dome was perforated and that's where the starlight came through if you follow what I'm saying. Um, so that's what I think anyway as I try to imagine how these words might be related. Um, So in an ancient worldview that is not logical, in other words, uh, A, B, C, D, E, but is analogical as above, so below. That is poetic in its referencing of self and the universe. The way Leviticus seems to work is that our goal is to create a home for God, a space in which the divine presence can dwell. And that goal, the way to do that is by being holy, that is, creating a container that can, that can, can, that can hold that energy. The way that that container recapitulates on every level of containment. So the self is a home for God or it isn't. The community is a home for God or it isn't. The sacrificial animal that that, that Leviticus spends so much time describing appears to be an analogy for the community. Uh, And I won't go into that discourse today, but it comes from this book by Mary Douglas that I've read many times um, um, called Leviticus as Literature. She even describes the written book itself as an analogy. The holy mountain that Moses ascends and the Mishkan, the holy of holies are analogous. Um, The body of the person is analogized in rabbinic literature to the sanctuary that the Israelites build in the wilderness. And so for them, holiness is um, recapitulating over and over again and that the, the way we the way we maintain it is by maintaining our integrity. One of the Hebrew names for integrity is achdut. Achdut comes from the root of echad, one, a sense of wholeness, unity. As I said, another word for integrity in Hebrew is shlemut. Shlemut means comes from shalom and means wholeness. So, in this poetic sense is the only way I've successfully um, uh, felt like I have some kind of grasp on what's going on in this week's Torah portion. I hope that introduction helps helps give us a a frame of reference for where I'm gonna go with this. Um, Leah Talbot, please repeat your definition of the book of Leviticus. The Book of Leviticus is known in scholarly literature as the priestly manual, but that also comes from the ancient Hebrew. It's the Sefer HaLevim. It's and the Levite's job as the ancient um, holistic practitioners of Israel was to be in charge of the rituals. Uh, No, this disease has never been identified, especially because um, it appears to be metaphorical because the same name, Roni, is applied to people, to clothing, and to houses. I can't imagine. I mean, we could say, oh, is it a form of mold? Oh, is it this? Oh, is it that? But the same ritual is enacted to reintegrate people, clothing, and houses. So for me, there's nothing medical about it, right? That doesn't mean it doesn't have medical implications, but the way it's being treated here is not medical. It, it, for me, it just has to be metaphorical because what disease does a house get that clothing gets that people get? Well, let's look at the word disease metaphorically. It means dis-ease. Right, something goes out of whack, and in to create a holy community, a skilled practitioner, a good medicine man, a good a good uh, um, I shouldn't say medicine man, a good um, a good shaman, male or female. Their job. A good psychiatrist, in modern parlance, right? A good uh, their job, their their talent, their gift is the ritual of reintegration, of taking that which feels shattered and scattered and finding a way to bring it back into relationship. Uh, Which is why the remedy is ritualistic. It's a spiritual remedy. And the ritual, hey, while we're talking about that, let's look at the ritual of reintegration, it's wild. Um, I'll, I'm going to share my screen and read the text with you now. I hope you can see that. This is our chapter, Mitzorah. Yodhe spoke to Moses saying, zot tie torat mitzorah this shall be the ritual for a leper. And that's the translation still in use. But the Hebrew word is mitzora. And I repeat, it does not mean leprosy. At the time that he is to be cleansed. To, harato, to be made pure again. Um, when it has been reported to the priest. Now in chapter 13, we already heard about how the. Mitsorah has to go outside the camp and be isolated there. So the priest shall go outside the camp. If the priest sees that the leper has been healed of his scaly affection, the translators don't know what to do with this. The Mitsorah has been healed of his tzara'at. But we still, you know, we're trying to translate it. I don't know how to translate. Here's what the priest does. And now, I don't have the answer, to say the least. But let your mind sort of roam kind of metaphorically, poetically over these, uh, th- this remedy. The priest shall order two live, clean birds, cedar wood, crimson stuff, and hyssop, to be brought for him who is to be cleansed. The priest shall order one of the birds slaughtered over fresh water in an earthen vessel. And the priest shall take the live bird along with the cedar wood, the crimson stuff and the hyssop and dip them together with the live bird in the blood of the bird that was slaughtered over the fresh water. He shall then sprinkle it seven times on him as to who is to be cleansed of the eruption and cleanse him and he shall let the live bird free in the open country. The one to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, and bathe in water, and then he shall be clean. After that, he may enter the camp, but he must remain outside his tent for seven more days. On the seventh day, he shall shave off all his hair of head, beard, and eyebrows his eyebrows, when he has shaved off all his hair, he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water. Then he shall be clean. It's not over yet. On the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs without blemish, one ewe lamb in its first year without blemish, three-tenths of a measure of choice flour with oil mixed in for a meal offering and one log of oil. And these shall be presented before the Lord with the man to be cleansed at the entrance of the tent of meeting by the priest who performs the cleansing. The priest shall take one of the male lambs and offer it with the log of oil as a guilt offering, and he shall elevate them as an elevation offering before the Lord. The lamb shall be slaughtered at the spot in the sacred area where the sin offering and the burnt offering are slaughtered. For the guilt offering like the sin offering goes to the priest, it is most holy and listen to this. The priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering and the priest shall put it on the ridge of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall then take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand and the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil of it is in the palm of his left hand and sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And some of the oils left in his palm shall be put by the priest on the ridge of the right ear, on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. And then he, etc., etc. et cetera. Et cetera it's all, and then the burnt offering shall be slaughtered and he shall be Clean, And then it describes that if he is poor and can't afford two lambs, there's an alternative ritual. All right, I'm gonna stop sharing for me. Um, Rabbi Ellen's reminding us that blood on the three places of the body is exactly the ritual that the priests go through when they're being consecrated. We see this before. Joan points out that these are energy points. Roni says, well, leprosy turned out to be a disease of non-feeling. The reason lepers lost their limbs was they had no feeling in their extremities would bang and bruise their body part. Yes, that's true. Um, The priests were the healers. They were the spiritual healers. Uh, And there are those as we've discussed who know more about um, incense and uh, the properties of sacred, uh, of essential oils that look into this at great length in the Torah to see what the natural uh, balancing and vibrational uh, remedies um, were. Ah, so if we're going to stay with the leprosy image, the idea of, of, of not being able to feel is a good metaphor. Um, Diane Kallel says, I read a book by a woman who developed a serious form of OCD as a Jewish teen. Yeah, I read about that book. She describes Leviticus as a treasure trove for people with OCD. Indeed. And, but if you think about it, Diane, uh, that one of the, we don't do these rituals anymore. Um, And um, the, they, to me, they clearly had a purpose in ancient Israel. So I just, when I just read that to you, I imagined myself witnessing that ceremony and, um, uh, and the meaning that suffused it. Because what happens at the end of this ceremony, this person who has somehow been disintegrated, had to leave the community is now fully reintegrated. All their hair has been shaved off. So they are a newborn baby and they are going through a ritual that reintegrates them into the community. Integrity, integration. Um, Well, Diane, giving a diagnosis like OCD to an ancient ritual is a kind of cultural imperialism that I don't think we should do. I mean, what if we watch, what if we took that mindset without any internal understanding and went and watched a four day Indian sun dance and said, what the hell are they doing? You know, that's, so that's why for me, these kind of um, diagnoses um, are actually counterproductive to try and understand how a culture is making itself um, into a place where it feels like God's presence can dwell. Of course, that can also be an aspect of mental illness, but um, um, I guess
1: I'm, I don't make that clear a line between um, a disease and, you know, there's a, everything's a spectrum. So uh, I think these people were doing
0: rituals
1: that helped them feel better. Yes, it doesn't mean we have to give it a diagnosis, and I guess I did in my chat text, but um, it's it's along those lines. People, we do lots of rituals to make ourselves feel better. Yeah, and it's only when they totally interfere with our lives that it becomes a disease, I guess.
0: Well, and I want to I want to uh, put it in a more elevated context, Diane, which is that they're not doing these rituals in order to make them. Feel better, they're doing these rituals in order to make them function better. Right. Right. And the function in ancient Israel is to make a dwelling place for the divine. That okay. is the most elevated function that we can imagine to be a holy people, because to be a dwelling place for the divine in the Torah is a moral category. Mm-hmm. Right. We can't be a dwelling place for the divine unless we have integrity. When we feel like we've lost our integrity, how do we restore it? This is how they re- this is the what they went around re- about restoring it. So even if it was entirely symbolic and had no no healing um, physical healing characteristics at all, if everyone buys into that meaning right. system, then they can then re- regain their lives. They're not only feeling better, but they're able to function once again. And so it's not about the self so much as about the self's participation in a meaningful uh, community. Agreed,
1: Uh, I will mute myself now.
0: Okay, Um, I'm not gonna be able to read these very long quotes from uh, Joan, but I invite you to uh, take a look at what she's been putting into the chat because this is her gifted specialty. Uh, And Roni, I'm gonna go by your comment as well, because I think we're still missing something here. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit and uh, say, so there's the ritual. It's alien to us. It was utterly meaningful to its participants at the time. And yet we've inherited this tradition. What have we inherited? And this is where the link through the rabbis becomes very important yeah roni you don't have to buy a single thing i'm saying that's fine this is my attempt to try to understand what the torah is so hang in there and see but if you decide it's all baloney that's fine um okay so what the rabbis did for whom integrity was everything right just as it um uh um, is that they did a word play and they took the word "mitzora." Here I'll share the screen again so you can see it. Remember, it was the King James Bible that decided "mitzora" was leprosy, okay? There's nothing in the text or anything before an attempt to translate um, uh Translate the Torah into into uh, m- medieval English that says that this is leprosy. Mitzora, the rabbis also didn't know what this was. But if you revocalize it, it becomes motzira, ra motzi who brings out the bad. And the rabbi said that. This affliction, this loss of integrity of the container, is the function of using speech harmfully. Motzi ra. Now again, they're being fanciful; they're being analogical. We're all of this is speculation on our part. However, um, the mitzora means one who draws out the bad, as the rabbis tell it, a person who is mitzora has habitually spoken in hurtful ways, slander, talebearing bearing, rumor mongering that is any use of language that can damage or destroy another's reputation. For, tar- for the rabbis, tzaraat is the physical symptom of a spiritual disease. The Mitsora draws out the bad rather than the good, using language to break down rather than build up. We could say that this person has loose lips and cannot contain themselves adequately. But saying I couldn't contain myself is never an adequate excuse. Conscience, empathy, and thinking before one speaks are all necessary preconditions for the experience of holiness. Those who leak harmful words have lost their integrity. Holiness and wholeness have been lost and the divine present cannot manifest there. Um, I'm gonna read a little more. This is some piece I wrote about it. According to Leviticus, the Metzora, the one afflicted with tsara'ah must leave the camp and wait seven days. This does not appear to be a punishment, but rather a treatment. We might even speculate that this period outside the camp is an opportunity for reflection, a retreat of sorts. The Kohen whose role is to maintain the dwelling place for God in the Israelite camp, carefully inspects the Mitzorah to see if they have healed. Uh, The Kohen then leads, if their skin is uniform once again, the Kohen then leads them through an elaborate ritual of reintegration into the community. The ritual includes an offering to God. The Hebrew term for offering is korban, which means drawing near. Healed and whole, the individual is now able to be intimate with God once more. Again, metaphorically, we might say that an inner state of disconnection or fragmentation has been resolved and focus and energy have been restored. If our energy and attention are distracted, leaking, dissipated, we cannot remain aware of or address the great majesty and mystery in which we dwell and which dwells within each of us. The Kohen might be thought of as the spiritual healer who examines us carefully and guides us back into connection with the divine. So again, let me just uh, um, so again, w- we have a giant act of imagination to do here. To try to get, and what we get will not be verifiable or provable, but to try to get, so. There's the instructions I read, the hyssop, the birds, the setting one bird free, the slaughtering of the other bird, the shaving, the blood on the body parts. It's like, holy smokes. Okay. But what the book can't communicate is what the intention, what those what that chapter can't communicate is what the intention behind this ritual is. And but we can guess what the intention is by reading the rest of the Torah, where it becomes clear that the purpose of being part of the community of Israel is to be a holy people who make a dwelling place for God, for the divine energy. So I don't think it's so much of a leap. Once you understand what the priest's purpose is, to restore this person to the holy community so that they can continue to make a dwelling place for the divine presence within, among, and around. Then I humbly submit that cultures develop rituals in order to restore a sense of connection between ourselves, within ourselves, between each other and with life or God as we understand it. Those rituals are only rituals. By themselves, ritual actions are empty. However, if there is a shared sense of common purpose, and it's understood that the rituals purpose is to reinforce that among us, then the ritual becomes incredibly powerful. Think about Yom Kippur. That is our modern way annually of asking for forgiveness, plugging up the holes in our integrity and reintegrating ourselves into a holy community. That's how we do it. That's how Judaism has evolved over the last 3000 years. Um, Paul says rituals are, are, do not think rituals are arbitrarily chosen. They actually work. They actually work when, yes, they actually work and they especially work when people enter them with a sense of this, of knowing why they're doing it. So for example, we had a bar mitzvah here last week, no, no, two two Shabbos ago. And the dad wrote me afterwards and he said, I felt like I could see my son growing up before my eyes. And he was astounded. So the ritual worked. The more that we, as a community, accept the the veracity of the ritual, the purpose of it, the more it works, right? The more people under our tent on Yom Kippur, our figurative tent last year, that have bought into the purpose of us being together is that we might restore a sense of internal and communal wholeness. The more people that do that, the more successful the ritual is. The fewer people that have that consciousness, the more boring the ritual is, right? Because this ritual is boring. Listen to what I just it's like the bird and the this and this. Okay, when do we eat? You know? So um, it all, So that's what I try to imagine is what the purpose of the ritual was. And the degree to which that culture bought into it was the degree to which it would be affected. And this bar mitzvah the week before last surprised the family because the power of the ritual overwhelmed any scatteredness or uh, lack of understanding that, that they might've had and kind of just, just uh, carried them away. It was amazing actually. Um, no, Roni, the ritual in Leviticus is not isolating. This is public. Um, and having someone leave the camp is not necessarily a punishment, but may have been considered a treatment. You're applying a lot of your judgments to something we know very little about. If the So perhaps being sent out of the camp for seven days if everyone understands that it's not a punishment, but a treatment, then maybe they're going to the spa. Who says that being outside the, ca- we don't know. We're, we, we, we immediately have, we always have to check our categories. And I submit to you that our categories of how we understand this ritual are not necessarily remotely accurate, especially on the first or second reading. Um, Yes, like a sabbatical. Thank you, Sarah. Now, that doesn't mean I understand it. It means that I wanna validate it. It means that the Torah is putting it there for a purpose. That this isn't some random ancient bunch of like malarkey. Right, why would it be? It was ultimately meaningful to the people who created it. So why don't we treat it that way as I'm doing today and understand it as such. Uh, a Jewish version of the Roman baths joan that's a whole other story. <laughs> the rabbis had a very mixed feelings about the Roman baths, not to mention their vomitoriums. So uh, pleasure for pleasure's sake was definitely not the uh, ancient Jewish understanding. It had to be sanctified.
1: Um, I'd say lahavdil. Pardon? La deal.
0: Pleasure. No, Pleasure. Right, Joe. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, let's see, where do I want to go now? Um, yes. What I want to talk about then is the message I take from this portion most of the time and it's always changing, but most of the time, is if the rabbis say that the loss of integrity was a result of using our, the way we talk about people to break them down instead of to build them up, whether in their presence or worse, not in their presence. Well, if we use our speech to bring out the bad, which is what Motsi Roth means then we are destroying the fabric of our community we're punching holes in it now these days it's hard to even figure out where whether our community is holding together right our civic community um and that's on a large scale but think about your family unit your loved ones the people with whom you try to maintain a sense of sanctity um, in your relationships, who you want to build up, who you want to help be who they're supposed to be. So the rabbi saw the use of language um, um, indiscriminately, cruelly, carelessly, as one of the ways that we puncture holes in the integrity of our vessel. And uh, we, we have these, ma- the, 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 the 2000 year old Jewish remedies for this is the function called teshuva. Um, teshuva is how you restore integrity. And ever since the sacrificial system of Judaism, came to an end, this this more relational one became more and more important. Uh, There's a famous line in um, the prophet Hosea that says, come to me with your words, the fruit of your lips, so that you might be, uh, I might take you back again. So the genuine I'm sorry's, you know. So the modern way of, not the modern way, the 2000 year old Jewish way of restoring integrity to the community has to do very much with language. Um, yes, for the rabbis, lashon hara, the, the evil use of speech was even considered to be one of the causes of the destruction of the temple. And if you put it in the metaphors we're using today, the the, the, um, the holy, place where God's presence dwell could not withstand being punctured, desecrated, you know, frayed and torn to the edges with the way we were destroying each other with language. Certainly we're experiencing that in our country right now. We do not know if the body of democracy, I'm using the word body intentionally, this is all about the integrity of the body, can withstand the number of holes that are being blown through it daily at this point. Yes, the body politic as Rabbi Ellen reminds us. So again, I wanna bring us back now, not to the details of the ritual, but to to me the clear analogical thinking of the Torah. Because remember, this portion treats the same disease, which we don't know how to name, when it happens to the skin, when it happens to the clothing, or when it happens to the dwelling. The priest ritual, when you read the portion carefully, is the same for each one. The house has to be treated with the two doves and the two birds, and it's the same treatment. Whatever that treatment was, which we can picture, what it meant is the most important thing. What it symbolized. And so it was not a physical cure. Because I'm telling you, you just read, it's right in front of us. The skin, the clothing and the house, it's about the body. It's about the container. For me, this is the teaching that I draw from from this portion. How do we keep the body, the home, the community, how do we keep it from being desecrated, from having holes punched in it, from having the air go out of it, the sense of possibility, the sense of togetherness, the sense of common purpose? The Jewish common purpose is to be a holy community that creates a home for God. And this is both done through our ritual behaviors, but primarily through our ethical behaviors. The week after next, the Torah portion is called Kedoshim. And it is the centerpiece of Leviticus. And it is the portion that says, love your neighbor as yourself. You shall be holy for I yod your God, I'm holy. And so it's clear when you read the book in, in sequence that what the priests are trying to re, re, recreate here is a community in which people love each other and treat each other the way they should be treated. And we all know that's the key. We all know that's the key. It's the golden rule, it's the key to creating a society, a home, an individual in which God's presence can dwell. Jones says quintessential humanism. Uh, yes, I like to call it religious humanism. I like to mess people up and say, I'm a religious humanist. I believe there's a moral law to the universe and I believe it'll, it only becomes manifest through human action. Uh, And Abigail made a beautiful comment here. Self-clothing home is an extension of the Mishkan. Ah, let's play with that metaphor. Think of all the chapters. Thank you, Abigail. This is what it makes me think of. Think of all the chapters in Exodus that describe the clothing of the high priest and the construction of the Mishkan and the preparation of the high priest which is exactly the same as the ritual for the person who has tzara'a. The high priest, when they are going to, before they can enter the sanctuary, they have, and when they're invested as priests, they have the same ritual, the blood on the ear, the thumb, the toe, the whole thing, the bathing, the reclothing. So in that sense, and this is very real in Judaism, we are each the high priest, each of us must be preparing ourselves to go into the Holy of Holies and be a vessel for the divine presence. In fact, and I'll read some more of these comments in a moment. In fact, in the Jewish Tahara ritual, and this is the word Tahar, which we haven't talked about means to make pure or make um, clean, unblemished. Uh, It's the opposite of defiled. In, in, uh, uh, just like, just like Kadosh, holy is the opposite of halal, which means de- desecrated or, um, um, uh, uh, having holes punched in it. Tahor is the, is the anal, is the opposite of tame So, why I'm telling you that is that the ritual for preparing a body after a person is deceased is called Tahara preparing the body to meet its maker. And the ritual, some of us here participate in this ritual is that when you're washing the body and clothing it and preparing it for burial, you're reciting the verses of how of how the high priest would get ready to go into the Holy of Holies and meet God. Um, Rob said, is there something to the metaphor of this boundary that isn't static, but has holes that allows stuff to come in and out and isn't hard and fast? Oh, that's good, Rob. Um, Clearly this boundary has to have, has to be, have some osmosis, has to be permeable in some regard. It's not a rigid, a rigid uh, structure. At the same time, so, So, where that makes my mind play, Rob, is that if our pores aren't working, we're going to die, right? If our openings and artifices, orifices, I mean, uh, aren't uh, functioning well, we're going to either lose all our energy and die or get so constipated with uh, energy that has to move that we'll die. So, clearly, there's this incredible dynamic being quality to a healthy organism that's such a a dynamic balance of permeability and stasis you know of of uh it's amazing the the blessing that we say in the morning blessings in gratitude for our body is thank you god for opening what should be opened and blocking up what should be closed if anything, if any of our openings was closed when it should be open or open when it should be closed, we couldn't even stay alive or stand before you. So yes, the idea of a sacred container has to be understood. It can't be taken into an impermeable container, definitely. Thanks for mentioning that. Um, uh, a seamless production, very nice. Seamless is a nice word when you watch a piece of theater. And it seems seamless. You've entered a sacred reality. I love thinking about theater and its roots and ritual and how it brings us into another reality and hopefully transforms us. Uh, porosity. Let's say it's better to consider the principle as flow. Definitely, since God name, God's name is I am becoming what I am becoming. Then. Here's where metaphors will fail us. To become a suitable container for that which is becoming means it's a paradox. It means we cannot be static in any way. So the challenge of being a holy community is such a beautiful and impossible challenge. We need to be constantly recalibrating. We need to be present. We need to be paying attention and we need to be carrying our core principles with us at all times while situations change so that we can apply ourselves. Oh, I like thinking about that. Ear, thumb and toe is a metaphor for the aspects of the according to Gail Albert. You shall love God with all your heart, all your soul and all your might. Energy must flow to remain healthy, never stagnate. That's why our Jewish lives are devoted to cyclical behavior. Continuous relation to the calendar allows us to refresh these sacred behaviors and make them new. That's why we're reconstruction, it's lovely. Refresh, what a beautiful word. Is the person being reintegrated into the community, fully refreshed. The traditional word for Shabbat for being refreshed is Vayina Fash, which means their soul has been restored to their body. That's a beautiful, yes, I love that word. Let's be refreshed, continuously refreshed, thank you. Um, very good, very good. Uh, yes, impure, liminal, susceptible, in a, a zone where you have to be take great care to resonate with the flow of life whose current can change. And of course the I Ching and Eastern traditions are about balance in terms of flow. And I dare say that our mistake on Judaism is the product of our 19th and 20th century worldviews and is in no way an accurate reflection of the intention of Jewish practice and teaching. I think it's one of the the, things that happens when gross materialism takes over our understanding of how the world works. We then can only read this chapter in Leviticus as a bizarre set of activities because we've been trained in a particular worldview that cuts out the idea of, of divine flow everywhere. Um, what is it about human nature that propelled us to kill animals as a ritual? again, I won't have time. Let's raise this question another time. Uh, it is about human nature because for sustenance um, in, in native peoples, indigenous peoples all over the world have taken their animals lives and uh, for their own sustenance. So uh, we, it's a good question. Um, Vayina Fash is related to Nefesh. Yes, spirit, exactly. I Ching is the rules of change and sometimes imbalance and sometimes not, correct. What about killing fellow humans as a ritual? Fortunately, it's not part of the Jewish worldview at all. Uh, Beautiful. Okay, I think we used up our time. I hope this has been stimulating. That's certainly my goal, but also stimulating towards uh, that, that idea of what it means to be a holy person, a holy community. To see holiness and welcome God's energy into the entire consciousness of ourselves in the world.
1: <sighs>
0: so, thank you, everybody. If uh, you're if you're able to stick around, our custom um, uh, is to uh, do a healing blessing at this point. And so, um, anyone who wants to type in the names of anyone whose well-being you're praying for. will sing the song for their healing. Rabbi Ellen is remembering ya- Yaakov Avraham Ha-Zan Uri ben Tova, Uri Urim Michael ben Prina, harav Shua Shirabat bat Orli, harav Pnina bat Bora. Linda Dias, harav Miriam Yal bat Sarah, Avraham Moshe ben Miriam, Jim Claytor, Abigail from Max. And Naomi for her ankle, I hope you're recovering. Paul Bloom for his sister, Marilyn Barnes. And Naomi McCann for Margaret Bernstein. Rob for his sister, Kathy. Deborah Berger for Ellen. Abigail for Pat Richter, my sister Eve and Robert Michalis Formas. Sarah Shestega for Batya, David and Abram. Uri From Ruth, Greg, Philippe, Michael C, Nancy Martin. Abigail for Eliana. Lloyd Abrams for his daughter Miriam, yes, quickly, fully recovered. Diane Breakstone for her mom, Myra. Robin for Marilyn Spear. Joan for a friend's mother, Miriam Orsko. And Blaze for you, lots of pain in legs and hips and back. That's hard, Blaze. Wishing you relief, wishing you relief. Susan Falk for Pauline, Ronnie, and Barry. Let's send our healing prayers.
1: Me, Shepherd, Ah, Vote, no, may the source of strength who bless the ones before us help us find the courage to make our lives a blessing, and let us say, Amen. Amen. Mi shebera imotenu meko abrachah. They are, bless those in need of healing with refuah Shlema, the renewal of body, the renewal of spirit, and let us say, Amen. Help us find the courage to make our lives a blessing and let us say, Amen.
0: A full healing of body, mind, and spirit. And it's also our custom when we're gathered here, to give folks who are reciting Kaddish an opportunity to say the mourner's Kaddish in our in community. So, if there are any names that you want to type into the chat that you're reciting Kaddish for, I welcome that as well. Paul Bloom is remembering his mom, Sylvia Kordish, and Aviga Lansman is marrying her mom, Rhoda Lansman. Joan is remembering her beloved, Bart Carabine, and Lloyd Abrams is remembering Vivian's father, Jean Hans Schlesinger, and you wish you knew him. Naomi McCann is remembering her father, Danny Franks, and her friend, Kristen Sinclair. Deborah Berger is remembering Curtis Falks, and Joan is remembering Bart's mentor, Herman Salomon. Susan Falk is remembering her cousin, George Myers. If you'd like to unmute yourselves, to recite Kaddish, please do. (coughs)
1: Kadadad, shemay rabbah. Amen. 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 Amen Elam, in and the Amata of the Allah, remove a name. A main, he hash, the Shama Rapa, the name of our Koyus for A man, of the a of call your I mean, I mean.